Welcome to the Entail AI Podcast. Discussions with marketing executives sharing their latest techniques for growing their businesses online. Hi, welcome everybody. Uh, we're happy to have on Entail Podcast today, Ari Ablock from Ireland. Uh, before we start, Ari, it would be great if you could take a second, a minute, and uh, introduce yourself, please. Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks, uh, Tom and Adam, for having me on the podcast. Uh, my name is Ari Yablok. Uh, I've been the head of brand and corporate marketing at Island for two and a half years, uh, coming up on three. Um, before that, I was head of brand messaging at a B2B branding agency uh, in Tel Aviv called Atreo. Uh, worked on some pretty fun projects spanning all across the tech industry um, from cybersecurity to MarTech to uh, quantum uh, computing to e-sports to all sorts of things. And I really kind of got a sense for what it meant to build a brand uh, no matter what the story was to kind of find that thing that made, you know, a brand special. Uh, and I did end-to-end branding there. So it was storytelling. It was even company naming. It was investor deck writing, um, explainer video scripts, uh, web copy, uh, kind of you name it, I was involved in it. And uh, it's where I kind of stumbled into this company called Island that showed up for a company name. And uh, that's how I got involved with them. And I named them Island and jumped on board as their head of brand and it's been pretty special ever since yeah it sounds it sounds very interesting as i told you adam doesn't uh, often join uh, the podcast but it seems like this is going to be a very interesting call so so he has to join and i'm happy to see you as well um and so b- before we start i mean i, I gotta tell you because you know at intel we we deal more with with organic marketing and content and and most of the content that we do is not really brand it's more about you know like reaching your target audience, answering, you know, like their, their, their questions or helping them find solutions to, you know, their pains and problems and challenges and all that. But when you look at organic marketing, it's very interesting to see that, that usually for most companies, especially for larger companies, the, the highest percentage of, of, of organic traffic is branded traffic, people searching for their brand. And also, this is the traffic that converts the best. And I just saw, um, I just saw a research by Neil Patel's, uh, if you know him, Neil Patel, so by his company, that they showed that most of the of the searches on the internet that yield sales are branded searches. So, in other words, there's, the data is there that nothing is stronger than than brand. Okay, but then on the other hand, and I just had a, a, a conversation about this yesterday. On the other hand, even though companies know that what drives most of the sales or what converts better than anything else is branded traffic, it's very difficult to get companies to invest in branding because it's it's kind of like the opposite of, of performance marketing. Okay, like if you do PPC on Google, if you if you run ads on, on Meta, you know you know how to measure you know your your ROAS, you know how much you're spending, how much you're making. But with branding, it's so different. So, I mean, before we dive in, I just this is like a big, a big topic for me. I mean, maybe I'd, I'd like to hear your take about this. Yeah, uh, there's 
a couple of podcasts in what you uh, episodes and what you just uh, brought up but uh i'll i'll i definitely have some thoughts on that um yeah so i see brand as not a separate effort from organic marketing uh, and communications a brand starts with the story you want to tell and everything else follows that uh and i would i would even say that that's at the heart of really what your business plan is, what your product strategy is. We are building something that is meant to deliver a certain message and fill a certain need. And our story should be communicating what our product is, is doing in the, in the market. So I, w- I would say that anytime you're trying to communicate to your audience and you know target their pain and speak to it and, uh, and you know, send the message about what makes you different or what helps, what what positions you as uniquely um, special in a way that you could solve that problem. That is your brand. The way it looks, the the you know, the way the digital ad is is set up, all that. That's how you how you uh, you know dress it up. But the brand is really that that core message. And what I think makes it hard for uh, companies, especially earlier stage. Uh, startups, venture-backed startups, especially uh, to invest in brands. I think it's it really comes down to three things, and you touched on a couple of them. Uh, one is it is by its nature a creative endeavor. It is not something where you input numbers and output results, where you have a game plan that you could just take something that was done and do it. The whole the nature of the game of branding is differentiating yourself. Is, is making your uh, entity, the, the, the idea of you sticking out in someone's mind like n- no other thing that they've seen before. So by definition, there is no preset path that you follow. You have to specifically go against the, the grain. Uh, and that's scary. And it's very different than what other marketers and go-to-market teams are doing, which is very much follow the plan, build the plan and follow it. Um, and like you said, number two, it's hard to measure. Um, you don't really have a destination that is clear. You are almost always taking a risk that has yet to be proven in the market, uh, which is also very different than what you're doing in other go-to-market efforts where risk is usually lower and uh, the outcome is usually a you know a yes or no thing. Did we hit our target? Did we miss our target here? you put out an ad, you don't necessarily know if you hit it or missed it in the traditional sense. And the third part is it's a long-term investment. It is not something where you can run and check back in two weeks and say, did we do it or not? It is something that in many aspects, it takes a year or more to understand if what you've been trying to do for a year is starting to take hold. And venture back startups usually don't have a year to invest in something, they usually have to be reporting on what they did quarter to quarter, which is just not the same timeline. And I think that's what causes founders and marketing leaders to say, we'll get to brand when we you know, hit our mark, when our leads start to come in, when the pipeline is big enough. And then by the time they get to that mark, they realize we should have been investing in brand this whole time. We would have had so much more coming in had we done it all along. I agree with that, uh, and, and I see that happening a lot. It's similar with, with SEO as well. You know, it takes time. 
usually what, the way we built it is we can start seeing results in, in a matter of, of just a, a several months, like usually like two or three months, we can already measure, you know, the indicators. But I guess when we started working, like we're doing a podcast now, so we're starting to work on our own brand as well. And I also saw like Neil Patel says, you know, like you need to invest in video because that's, that's his, uh, that's his channel, right? Like videos and, and, and content uh, across all channels. And he's saying, yeah, you need to invest in it like a year or two before you can even see results. So, so going back to what you said about, about startups and then venture backed, uh, businesses that, that they only start investing in brand once they see some, some traction on, on, on other channels. But when do you think it is the right timing to do that? I mean, cause sometimes when you're just starting out in your startup and you don't have like any performance channel working for you, you may not have product market fit yet. So is it, is it maybe too early to start? I, I have a bit of a, I would say unconventional answer to that. And it's based on my own story because I joined the company that was in stealth mode as their first marketing hire, as the brand guy, we were this nine months away from, yeah, this is Island. We were nine months away from launching our product. Um, so for the people, you know, for the startups that feel they should be, you know, investing in brand once they get to a certain milestone, I was like two years ahead of that because I was almost a year before we even launched the product. Uh, now we had a very good feeling about, you know, product market fit. I, I had entered at a time where our co-founders who were industry veterans had already vetted this idea, uh, you know, over a hundred times with, uh, with our target, you know, buyer. And that's maybe a unique situation to have product market fit so early on, but I actually don't think that matters. I think what you need to be doing is honing in on the problem you're solving the way you're solving it, which is really product market fit, right? What is exactly the, how this technology is going to be implemented or operationalized? I, I think that might go through a few phases and that's okay. But assuming you're not changing industries, assuming you're not, you know, um, your target buyer isn't shifting to a completely different, you know, part of the organization, you can still be telling a very uh, meaningful and compelling story about the problem that caused you to start this company to begin with that is likely not changing even as you pivot. And when you do that, you are getting people's attention. You are getting people excited for what you're delivering. You're building trust uh, in a market that you're the right person to deliver this, this solution to them. You're engaging, you're getting that feedback. Um, it's, uh, it's so valuable to have all of those things running so that when you do find the product market fit, you don't have to now start from scratch and say, okay, how do I talk about this? So I think the, the the answer really is yesterday. You mentioned that um, you know it, brand can be seen as kind of taking this bet, and you won't really know if it's going to pay off for a while. And maybe ironically, early stage startup or venture back companies that's kind of the raison d'etre of their entity as well, right? Regardless of if you think you have product market fit, there's so many factors that contribute to whether a company is going to succeed or not, um, regardless of product market fit. So it's kind of a bet, anyways. So it's interesting that, you know, on the one hand, you know, your partner might be someone that's taking a massive bet in the entire exigence of the whole organization, but in this one area, they're like, eh, I wouldn't take a bet there. So do you, do you, how do you find that kind of um, maybe paradox and 
are there companies at different stages that suddenly become more um, reflexive to the idea of brand or, or have you found in your experience that it's kind of always the same story regardless of where the company is in the life cycle? Both great points. Uh, and I'll and I'll deal with each of them separately. Your first point is this whole thing is a big bet. The idea of starting a company is a big bet. Uh, uh, all of all of what you're doing is an unknown until it's a known. But I think the nature of business, where you have input and you have output, and you could easily measure and easily understand if you're hitting targets or not, and dial certain things up and dial certain things down, it's comfortable. And I think that's an important word to think about here. Even traditional marketing, where I'm I'm creating some sort of message or some sort of CTA, which is getting someone to do something, I could see if they did it or not. I'm very comfortable in that world where I know point A and point B, and I can measure it, and I could even if I'm failing, I can understand why and what to do about it. Brand is uncomfortable for people who are, are business-minded because it is a creative uh, input. Uh, and that means the output is, is an unknown, um, like I said before. So I think it's even though the whole thing is a big bet and every quarter you're betting on yourself and every time a salesperson picks up a call, they're betting on, on themselves trying to win, uh, it's a comfortable bet that they, they've done a lot of times and they know uh, they're comfortable making. And spending serious money on an idea, on a story where what happens next isn't even clear. Obviously, you can measure things like website traffic or social engagement. Um, and I think that is important to measure. But uh, interestingly, the things that I like measuring, is, uh, uh, the things I loved hearing the most is when a sales guy, you know, texts me saying, my buddy from my previous job just texted me saying that post was brilliant. And I'm like, that's, that's brand at work. And that's one person that's never going to show up anywhere, but that's going to do something because if there are 10 more people that felt the same way, even if they didn't talk to, to us about it or a hundred more, and if we keep doing it well, it will be a thousand more and 10,000 more, then we're doing something right. And you won't be able to measure it. So it's uncomfortable. Um, so, uh, but the payoff is so is, is exponential growth and inbound instead of outbound and warm leads instead of cold leads. All of those intangibles that you are trying to do by building bricks and, and by kind of one-to-one -one work is now coming in five-to-one and ten-to-one. So that's the answer to that first question. Remind me of the second question again, right? Is it different between different founders or different companies? Yeah, is there kind of a moment in the life cycle where you feel um, that people suddenly feel that need? You know, if they say, okay, hey, this is the time when we, we feel that and maybe why they might feel that pain. You know, like, have you ever experienced something where you realize, okay, companies reach a point and then suddenly they, they feel that lack of having invested in brand? Any company that is in a somewhat saturated market in a red ocean is going to feel that need immediately because they are going to enter a world where they feel like they're on mute and everyone else is talking. Uh, and they know that they can't just say, you know, the same thing that the rest of their market is saying. And that's why I have increasingly more early stage founders uh, DMing me and asking for some advice on what they should do from the get-go. And it's not paid ads and it's not, you know, 
an ebook, it's how do I sound interesting? How do I differentiate myself? And that's brand strategy. And that's from day one. And I think they feel that because they know that if they just enter the market and say, we solve this problem just like them, we're going nowhere. We're, this is not going to work. So I think in new markets especially, but I'd also say if you're building a new category, which is what at Island, you know, we are we introduced this idea of an enterprise browser. Uh, the day before we said those two words, no one was using it. It was a legacy term that was misused by by products no one was was even interested anymore. And suddenly we started using it. And now you could look at Microsoft Edge uh, for business and they're a secure enterprise browser. And you could look at seven other. So, so that's something that was brand messaging, story driven, uh, you know, uh, communication where we wanted to put that message out there. That was not a paid move. That was not right. That is organic storytelling to an audience to get a message home. It took months um, and not years, but it, it took months, but it, it was a necessary. It, it was an absolutely necessary thing that our founders understood from day one. We need to be working on getting this message out. So yesterday I, I went to a typography lecture here in the UK. And um, one of the points of the history that they were showing is the increasing homogeneity on brands over time in terms of colors and type. Um, and the, the market kind of trended from very unique type fonts to more uh, consistent meeting users' expectations. And now it's reached this problem where a lot of consumers, if they're individual consumers or corporate consumers, can't really tell the difference anymore. And brands become so uh, unindividualized that they don't really stand out. Um, and, you know, there's so many companies now are talking about moats and it seems like almost every vertical is becoming a red ocean in terms of the amount of players. So would you say that, you know, um, from your perspective, brand is a very defensible moat? Um, and can you talk a little bit about if brands um, kind of get copied on their brand messaging or if it's a layer of your business that actually gives you something that isn't really easy to copy and duplicate like code and then kind of persists over time? You, you kind of said it pretty well. This is something where every market is becoming oversaturated. There are very few brand new ideas showing up. And when they do, within months, they're not new anymore because there's a whole market around them. Um, so, so the idea of, let me just tell people what I'm doing. And if they like it, then they'll give me their money that idea doesn't work anymore. It's the same way uh, as a good analogy, you know, let me write a blog and people will read it, right? Now there's Gen AI, now there's ChatGPT. Uh, a four-year-old could write a blog as long as they know how to talk into a computer. And there is there's very hard, it's very hard to differentiate between his, the, you know, the four-year-old's blog and yours. So what you need to do is not write something, but write something interesting, write something compelling. Um, and for some reason, and I think, again, I think it's the creative gap for some reason, the, the idea of doing it, but not doing it in a way that is completely unique, uh, is, is, is what's grabbing most people's attention. And I think there's a ton of marketing teams that are doing a ton of marketing that are just drops in the ocean that are just not getting anywhere because they're taking the philosophy of as long as I'm doing it, people are going to listen. 
Um, and a great place that I see that all the time is trade shows. I go to, you know, multiple um, security and IT trade shows a year, hundreds of booths, uh, exhibitions, hundreds of technologies, many of them in the same category, many of them one after the other saying the same thing and none of them even finding a problem with it. There are times where I would go up to a booth and I would say, what do you guys do? And say, oh, we do the same thing as them. That's the, that's the answer. And I just, I'm shocked that I, that you would feel comfortable saying that. Um, <laughs> because if that's the case, then you're not making any sort of case why someone should go with you over that. Um, and, uh, you know, I do think this is a, a table stakes situation now. Um, if you're not treating brand seriously, not as a creative art, and that's the point, as a strategic business decision for how we are going to get the attention we need, how are we going to do justice to the great technology that we built that no one's going to care about unless we put the right story out there that gets people to notice as a business move, I think you're just starting from behind in 2024. I, I, I really agree with that. I have to tell you that, I mean, we're seeing, it's exactly what you're saying. And I think the the, the market is obsessed with all those like AI tools. And if you, if you Google, for example, AI marketing, AI content generation, whatever, you see all those cheap ways of creating content now. And, and I think what you said is right on the money because if the four-year-old, as he said, and he put it, can create the same blog that you can with ChatGPT, then this blog has no value, basically. It means that you can ask ChatGPT. So, and, and I also saw another, I mean, I like, I recently have been watching Neil Patel. I started liking him. Um, and he showed that the, I don't remember exactly the numbers, but the numbers, the number of, of uh, views that, that blogs get, those that are written by, by humans compared to those written by AI is at least like 5x to the human side. So like I said, you need to create something interesting and compelling. And as a business, I often say, that's your only currency because you're not, you're not really in entertainment. It's much more difficult and you need to be interesting. So it's not, if you're using the same tools that anyone else can use and you're creating the same content that anyone else can create, first of all, Google will probably not index it. And second of all, it's not going to be interesting. It's going to be superficial. It's going to be shallow. You need to create much better content. But, but another aspect for, of that that I've been thinking about, and that's that's been like a, a riddle for me that I haven't been able to solve yet, is who should invest in, in branding? And, and I just want to refine my question a little bit. So I'll give you an example from, like from our experience. So we worked with, with a gaming company uh, where the lifetime value of their user is about $2. Okay, so they, they work volume, you know, like, like millions and millions of users. But also what they're selling doesn't have uh, a specific intent. So their users, they don't come because they want like, you know, buy the best shoes or buy the best website builder or whatever. It's like more general. So their conversion rate is like half a percent more or less. And so when you add, when you multiply, you know, a very low LTV and a very low conversion rate, you end up with a very low EPV, which is earning per visitor, which means that if you want to create content, the cost of content is going to be much higher than your earning per visitor. So it's it's very difficult for a brand like that to be able to create content for itself. So they need to go elsewhere and like advertise on on, on gaming channels, etc., where there's lots of, of users and they're paying the, the the channel owner or whatever, and that's how they they advertise. So so for them, content creation is not the right channel. 
it, like the numbers don't add up. And so you need a certain LTV and a certain conversion rate to be able to create content. So what I'm trying to ask is, do you have a kind of a formula? Do you have, like, can you define the characteristics of, of companies that need to invest in brand? And for example, if you are a dropshipping company and there's less of, and less of those, maybe because of all of what, what you just mentioned before, um, but if you're a dropshipping company, then probably brand isn't the right move for you because you're just selling random products more or less. But do you, so can you define which brands should invest in and which companies should invest in, in branding? I, th I think the challenges that you're bringing up um, are not necessarily a question of who should or shouldn't invest in branding, but it's more like what should our tactics be based on our business model, which again, the gaming company you mentioned, I, I would look over the business model to see if this, you know, how viable this is and what kind of marketing budget is even available, you know, total to, to make that work. Um, but if we have to do branding on a very low budget or in a, you know, as in, instead of media buying and billboard out of home and serious, you know, media production, um, maybe we need to go more low key. Maybe we need to get into, uh, you know, kind of culture hacking, right? Getting into communities that our customers are in. I mean, a great example that I love showing people is there's a great uh, clip on YouTube of Wendy's, uh, a, a one of their marketing geniuses uh, went into Fortnite and used the player with the, the girl with red hair and ran into jumped into everyone's games and started destroying freezers and she wasn't playing against other people or shooting she was just chopping down freezers everywhere she went in inside kitchens and it was to send the clever message of our meat is fresh and is not frozen unlike the other fast foods and it was such a random thing and if you think about what he what that person had to do to sell that to the ceo first of all it didn't cost much so that was at least a good foot in the door but what was that going to do for that company? Was that going to sell more hamburgers? I don't know, but it got an it got on the you know local news. It got millions of hits on YouTube. I'm talking about it years later, right now on a podcast, and that's the type of thing where, uh, you know, can you quantify the value? Is there a company that would rather not do something like that uh, instead of do it? I I think everyone would opt to do something like that um, to differentiate themselves, and I think that's really the the answer to the question like it, if you are not looking for how to differentiate yourself you're kind mm -hmm. of in denial <laughs> over the fact that there's you know as long as i just run my routes and, and do what i'm supposed to do people will start coming my way the the biggest thing that i keep saying and I, and i kind of hinted to it before is at some point the the stuff you're doing early on which is usually more one-to-one -one effort where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get, you know, go after customers that I know, go after low hanging fruit, go after low effort, low touch opportunities because they're the easiest ones to get. At some point, those dry up. And then I have to go after people that don't know about me, don't care about me, and I need a five exit. So I not only have to start, you know, cold, but I have to be five times more effective at what I'm doing. The, the same tactics of uh, usually just means spending five times the money um, and sometimes 10 times the money. 
And th- again, that that's just wildly ineffective, but it's also not sustainable. You're just, you're not going to hit y- your targets just by throwing more money to get less money. So that's where brand really comes in as a business strategy of, I need to see how I can do something within the people, you know, f- within the communities that, and the target audience that, that I know I need to be speaking to that will get them to come to me. That will get them to notice me so that when there's an event with 4,000 booths, they want to find my booth and not that they stumble across it and have to decide if they care or not. So, all right, maybe we can focus in on Ireland then. So when when um, when you when you go to Ireland's website, you have that kind of uh, nice aha moment of, oh, yeah, this is so obvious. Like, how come no one thought of that before? Um, and that seems, or I wonder if you would say that's kind of like a brand home run, if you have the ability to kind of tell that angle of, hey, we're doing something that is so obvious. Um, so with your with your journey with Island so far, um, would you say that was like uh, kind of an easy win that you were able to tell that story? Or do you think that, you know, every brand maybe has that kind of angle or, uh, you know, tactics wise, like how did you arrive at that tactic for Island? With Island, the big home run was that the product was amazing. I think that's the biggest home run for a brand. If you don't have to to sell someone on an idea that isn't really there once you pick up, the, once you you know reveal what's behind the curtain, but the thing behind the curtain is actually better than you could have ever described it, uh, then you that's the home run. And we had that uh, blessed to say we had the perfect product for our market and the real challenge was can we tell a story that does justice to what's behind that um and that's a great place to be in and that's really why when i heard about this i said to myself this is a this is a must do right brand like i have to get involved um the you know the way we went about it was and it wasn't easy. It wasn't a slam dunk. We're our target audience is C level. These are people that are getting pitched all day. They are all pitches of things they've seen before, just slightly faster or slightly better. And the way to test them out is to have a whole team show up to your company and rip out your, you know, network security and plug this one in and test it for a week. And, you know, the payoff, you, you can't even quantify so easily and, and all that. So these are people that are jaded, that don't want to hear about it. And not only that, we're selling them a browser that they have for free. So we had to convince them that something that they're paying zero dollars for is something that they should suddenly have a major investment for, build a new budget line for. So there were a lot of challenges um, to how to break through. And I think that's what made the our need to sound different and feel different as a company it was so much more strategic and not just you know a nice cool thing that we have a brand dude that could make you know funky ads or or tell cool stories no this was meant to send a very clear single a uh, signal to our buyer what you're about to see is something that you have not come across yet and you should take notice because it's new um that was the way we spoke about it. We made deliberate decisions around our our terminology, our vocabulary. Uh, we initially were targeting CISOs, people, you know, cybersecurity um, leaders of major enterprises, Fortune 50 enterprises, um, and 
these are people that have heard the terms risk and threat landscape and and they've seen hoodies and bugs and locks and black and red and scary language their whole careers and it just all blended into one scary looking brand and our whole story was if you put work in the place where it belongs where it is fundamentally safe because it's in the right place you don't need to lock it you don't need to be scared of the threats beyond it they are not they they're not applicable they're not relevant and we put our buyers in a natural peaceful zen like state when they showed up to our brand as opposed to every other company whose you know value prop is you are at risk so you need us to help you we went the opposite way which is when you're in island you're fundamentally safe so enjoy your day enjoy your life and that signal which is again it sounds cosmetic it sounds ooh let's do green and sand and and nature and and get away from words like risk and threat and attack and instead do you know work as it should be um that was very strategic that was very deliberate um and it's causing people all over the place who have their first call with us who run into us at fields uh, at trade shows to say you know i i see your your brand everywhere and i love it it's it's different it speaks in a whole different way and they see every brand everywhere we're not spending more money to you know to put our brand in front of you but when you see us you remember us and that's the difference my approach has always been quite different than that uh like almost like cynical you know performance what to, what to get performance but i see more and more the need um the need in in branding and and also a lot of the activities that we do now at intel they have they related also to like building uh building brand um but I'm also I'm also interested in, in I mean even though you say it's more difficult to measure um, and it takes a long time what well, what are the indicators that you look at I mean you, you gave one example of like uh, uh, this one guy who saw your ad and and mentioned it but are there other indicators I mean we often look at organic traffic so I can say definitely if you see an in, increase in organic traffic it has to do with brand we see often the companies that we work with if they run ads or if they do uh influencer marketing you can see those peaks if it's an e-commerce company around you know uh, black friday cyber monday you see those peaks in branded searches and you know that's as a, a result uh of their other marketing activities but are, what indicators do you do you measure usually i mean when you talk about or when you need to justify the budget you went to the ceo to the other executives first of all i think a ceo to do brand right needs to understand its value inherently and it's it's very challenging to kind of prove the value of brand the same way you're proving the value of lead gen marketing or you know sales enablement and, and things like that um it, it it just doesn't work the same way so if you're if they're expecting you to produce the same type of projections um then it's it's just a challenge and i know in some ways um it's unavoidable because you you can't just keep asking over and over just take a bet um but i have luckily um co-founders who say every quarter we're going to bet on something and we're going to learn from it 
Um, and I don't mean to say that we have to have the results in by every quarter, but the idea is we treat what we do as a, a very well-calculated experiment that help us understand what we need to do next. Um, do we need to do more of that or do we need to go in a different direction? Um, obviously, if you miss a lot of times, either you have the wrong personnel or the wrong strategy or the, you know the, the, the wrong planning. Um, so you just can't always be wrong. But the idea is you have to take a calculated risk. Now, in terms of measuring, I think there are a few key points that that would eventually need to be the sole thing that you're looking at for brand. The most common and the most easy, just because it's very measurable, is website traffic. Um, organic web traffic. People searching for not just your product and then finding you, which is if they find you, that means you're doing SEO correctly, um, but searching for your company. If they're searching for your company name, that means they know about you and they're looking for you. And usually you could find out if how they're getting to you either by, uh, you know, asking them uh, if, if they reach out uh, with a contact form, how did you find out about us or how did you arrive here um, or s some other, you know, measurement tools that you could that, that you could find. I think that's the kind of the foundation of of measuring brand are, are more people showing up to our website because they're looking for us. Um, when you're at trade shows, are more people showing up to your booth because they said, I, I heard that you, I saw you on the list and I had to go see what you guys are up to. Um, now at any given trade show, that might be a couple hundred people if you're lucky. Um, so is that, you know, a meaningful number in a vacuum? Maybe not, but I think that's a very meaningful number over time where, where we're saying the effort that we did a few months ago made the investment in this trade show that much more impactful. Um, so a lot of it is this interconnected investments. Um, I think there are deal uh, sales cycles that you want to measure, which is, again, it's hard because you can't, you don't have a lot to measure against it. If a sales cycle went really fast, you can't really say how much slower it would have been without brands. But we, we have several customers that reached out to us directly through our website, they were ready for a proof of concept. They closed the deal within a month and we're a high ticket enterprise software. These things usually take six months if you're, if you're good, right? And there is no other way for us to look at that speed of sale other than someone found our brand story compelling. Someone saw a message we were sending out there and said, this is exactly what we need. And everything else went faster because of that. They trusted what we were going to say. They were convinced that what we had was the right thing. They just needed to be sure of it. They needed to see it for themselves. That's a very business-driven metric that you could say, if I could follow, right? If I could follow someone showing up and how fast it takes them to sell versus someone our sales rep reached out to and asked for, you know, would you be willing to jump on a call? and then had to prove it to his team and that team's team and that the, the next team and then do a long, right? We have, we have the exact, this exact thing right now with two very large companies, uh, unicorns basically. Uh, one of them, we reached through an intro uh, and it took months basically to close them. And the other one reached us, just like you said, they were interested. They heard about us and they came like 
very warm to the conversation, you know, like they, we had a meeting, like a discovery meeting after that meeting. So they initiated like the follow-up in like two days. And I mean, this is like an ent- enterprise company. Usually, like you say, it takes months. And with them, it's like two meetings a week just to close it, to like negotiate all the terms. They, they came in like very, very warm, not even a warm lead. They just wanted to close, you know, so never thought of it in terms of, of brand. But yeah, but it makes all sense what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And, and another, another thing, I mean, almost out of time, it's very, it's a very interesting uh, uh, conversation. We must have a, a follow up, I think, if you want. Sure. I mean, uh, but um, often, I mean, we're, we're in, in marketing automation and what we often do is like, we're looking for, for what types of marketing work and then we build them manually and then we find ways to automate them and scale them. And we're always looking for those activities that are repeatable and scalable. And, and so my question is when it comes to branding, cause you gave the example of, of, uh, uh, Wendy's on, on Fortnite, and that's like a one-off, you know, it's like, it's like a crazy idea. You don't hear many of these, like every year, you know, it's part by like two, two examples per year. You can come up with, I don't know how many it's like, it's very rare. And so are there, are there any activities that you, that aren't just mundane, you know, regular stuff? Cause eventually according to you as a, as part of your branding strategy, you want to stand out, right? So you want to do things that are special, but my question is, are there activities that are repeatable and scalable, uh, when it comes to branding? Um, there certainly are on the execution side, on the distribution side, on the promotion side, um, where there exist automation tools and there exists kind of, you know, you could take assets and, uh, turn them into a bunch of micro content, uh, you know, turn a long form, uh, podcast like this into, you know, sound bites that can be used that are actually, you know, way more popular I found than, than long form. Um, I don't know if that's interesting or that's what you, what you had in mind, but I do think the kind of conundrum is the real work is the guy who thought of what if I enter the Fortnite game and start hitting freezers and that's not repeatable and that's not chat GPT isn't going to help you with that because by definition, no one thought of it yet. So chat GPT didn't think of it either. Um, and that's where the idea of having someone in house, which is again, a, a unique thing. And that's maybe starting to become more common in, in, you know, small waves, um, someone in-house who is your storyteller, um, who is going to understand not just how to tell a good story, but is going to be in the culture of the company and very, uh, versed in what your product does and how customers feel about it and what they'd say about it so that you're not outsourcing perhaps the most strategic thing of, of your marketing, uh, efforts, which is the message that we're going to send, uh, that's going to get people to love what we do. Um, I think people are starting to see that there are things you can outsource and automate, um, and you don't really lose a whole lot uh, on the quality or, or, you know, on what you're getting out of it. Um, and then there are things that just automating it makes it 50% as effective. Now, if you're only the creative, I think you're in big trouble. I think you need to create a system where it feels easy inside a company to turn a creative idea into 
um, an actual campaign into something we can distribute quickly. And I, that's something that I'm having meetings about daily now for how do we turn big ideas um, and even medium, smaller, medium-sized ideas into campaigns that can run next month or by the end of this month and not two quarters down the line. Because then you just become this big visionary guy that, that isn't really impacting the business much and feels too disconnected. And that's where automation can really help. If I have, if I have an idea and I could turn it into a 30-second video and I could turn it into eight graphics and I could plug it into this social media platform and I could plug it into HubSpot to get the links I need to track it and I could uh, create a calendar of posts that are going to help me you know, craft the messaging around this entire story and I could say how it all fits and I could have the measurement, you know, the metrics uh, that I want to measure behind it. That's so much more powerful than just having a really good idea and not knowing to do with it. Yeah, it, it sounds like, um, although, you know, ChatGPT, everybody speaks about ChatGPT and AI, uh, you know, how they churn in marketing and all that. It sounds like, uh, it, it seems to me like, and I say that many, many evidence, from, like examples and evidence for this, and including what you're saying now, that although we have all these advancements, we have to go back to, to the basics. And that's like creatives because we have to stand out. If everyone, if, if there's so many tools to automate processes and everything looks the same, just like Adam says, you know, like all the brands start to look and feel the same, you need to stand out and you have to go back to the creativity that people bring. And, and that's something that AI can do for you. Yeah, maybe you can use AI to like as, as another arm, okay, but the brain eventually is, is the human brain and you need to bring that uh, creativity out. And that's super interesting. Um, I feel, I feel uh, uh, almost disappointed that we have to finish now because we're out of time. It's been very interesting and, and it feels like, like we're stopping in the middle. So I, I definitely want to have a follow-up for this. But just like you said, I mean, we rely on, on that creativity that only people can bring. And that's why we do this type of content where we can find experts and get their perspectives. And that's what's so interesting and that's completely different than than uh, anything else you can just generate automatically. So yeah, so just have to, we have to end on, on this note again, because we're out of time. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Ari. It's been, it's been a pleasure. It's been very interesting. Mm-hmm.